What's up, guys? This is Shana, and welcome to another episode of the Eheng Podcast. And like always, this episode is brought to you by Bottom Slap, which is the pants I'm currently wearing. They are versatile. I absolutely love it. You guys already buy pants, so they really solve a big problem for me. So I'll just put the link down below for discount code. Hope you guys enjoy. And now let's head on to the question. Today it's from Terry. Hi Sean, love your videos about property and I've learned a lot about the things to look out for and for the mindset required to invest in properties from your videos. However, I do have one question that is always bothering me. From your videos, you mentioned that the key is to find a property where the rental income can at least cover the monthly installments. And you've mentioned that your views are that property should act as a capital preservation tool and not so much for flipping for quick profit. I'm not so sure if I have done enough research or not, but most of the projects that I see are unable to get a rental that is higher than its installment. All of them are from secondary market, not new launch. And let's say if we did find a property that have a rental yield that covers the installment. Considering the fluctuating interest rates, taxes, repairs, sinking funds that we need to pay during our ownership of the property, can we really see a meaningful real return on our investment after 30 years, after we minus off the effects of inflation. Let's say compared to stocks which is tax-free, I do understand people say property that's leveraging but does that only applies if we manage to flip it halfway with a considerable price appreciation. If we were to pay off the property in full with interest, does leveraging still matters? Wouldn't it be the same as I invest a total of say 1 million in stocks over a span of 30 years. Would be keen to know your perspective on this because I'm not sure if my train of thoughts are correct and are there any blind spots that I missed out. Thanks for putting out the awesome videos and I've learned a lot from it. Hope to hear from you soon. Cheers. Terry. Thank you very much, Terry. And there are some very, very important questions here. So let's address them one by one. So yes, the most ideal situation of property investment is of course not only to find a property with rental can cover installment, it can also cover sinking fund, assessment, cukai tana, maintenance fees, fixing fees and etc. Of course, that would be the ideal situation, the holy grail for all property investors, right? I think what I don't stress enough is these several few points. Great deals are crafted. It's not openly in the wild where you can look in portals. When you walk into the developer's office and ask whether you got good deals or not, because everyone knows how to calculate. And when you think from an owner's point of view, right? Since everyone knows how to play the game, why must I discount my property so you can make a handsome profit? Only when they are unforeseen circumstances like suddenly they need to migrate suddenly they need to move out or suddenly they need huge amount of cash so they really need to cash out and in these situations agents always call it fire sales which is true like personally a lot of great deals that i've witnessed are not even listed in iProperty or Property Guru or other portals. Because before even listing, right, the property is sold already. And this is the moment where if you are into sub-sales market, you really need to make a lot of friends with property agents, especially area specialists. You really need to get to know them like, hey, if there's anything, right, you must also show that you're serious. If not, I will give you two deals, three deals. Then you always say, look, see, look, see, the one. Then ultimately, they want transactions to survive. So that's one. Then if it's on the development, 
developer side, which is the new property side, if you walk into a sales gallery, unfortunately, we have spoke about this before, you are buying at retail price. Just like if you buy electronics, you go into the showrooms and look at their display units, what you buy at retail. So if you want cheaper, you need to go warehouse sales. If you want cheaper, you need to go to the source. In property side of things, then that means connections with the developer. Either are you someone important to them or you have existing customers that can recommend you to them or you're a famous VVIP or you're a YouTuber. <laughs> How I wish lah. I can just walk everywhere and get discount. Well, definitely that's the goal. And again, ultimately, it's bulk purchasing. In order to get access to all these deals via the bulk purchase, it's only natural that we need to pay a certain fee in order to join. So this group of people or this company will negotiate with the developers on their remaining units or new properties in order to come out with a great deals that make sense with the current rental situation. So the keywords here are access to deals. I think that's the thing that I don't talk about enough in this channel where everybody starts hunting and people hunting here or merely browse through iProperty and Property Guru are not really going down to the field and no agents and really get to know them because they are in the market the entire day. So if I'm a very hungry property investor, most likely that's what I would do. Lah. And also do bear in mind that property agents are also divided project-based or sub-sales-based. So project-based are those that are based in sales gallery and they focus on new properties. Those usually cannot do much because the price are fixed by the developer. So if you want great access or great deals to the sub-sale market, so you need to deal with the area specialists. And most of the time, it's also up to your negotiation skills, like how hungry are you and how desperate are you for the sale. The next thing to talk about when you have the holy grail of the renter can cover all the expenses for the month, right? You also have situations where the rental can just nice cover installment. You need to cough out maintenance fees. You need to cough out the other costs, right? And when you think about it, is it a bad deal then? To me, it's still good. And now we need to really talk about your appetite of risk. I personally, when I started, I'm okay with few hundred negatives every month. It means I still need to cough out a little bit for maintenance. That's all right in my books. Even for some deals where the rental initially was lower than the installment by 20%, if you were to tweak your mindset a little bit, right? It means you are using bank's money to get ownership of this property for the next 35 years without paying interest because the tenant actually pays interest for me. And if my homework is done right, the rental will be increased after every tenancy. Of course, the property must also look good and maintain. Ah. And let's take my property in Puchong, for example. When I got a property, I think the interest rate was pretty high also. So every month, I still need to cough out a few hundred for maintenance. But if I were to rent out long term, I cannot break even. So what I did is I split rooms. I Every room, I rent out every room individually. And when the interest rate continue to rise, then like, wow, if I continue like that every month, I need to bleed more, right? I was considering to convert the living room into another two bedrooms. So does it make sense then? So you need to balance like, the renovation fee versus the rental return against your installment. No? But instead of doing that, I conducted a makeover for my unit and the video is actually in the channel. And after the makeover, people are willing to pay higher and the ease of renting out is also easier. Like during the last year's lockdown, I've changed three tenants and between different tenancies, it's only like one or two weeks, which is very, very awesome. But the tenants move out not because the unit is bad. Lah. One got pregnant because it's a walkout apartment, so it's not convenient for 
her the other the family was going into Singapore then suddenly they got approval to fly in then okay you know what I don't want this unit anymore and now I have the third tenant so if your unit is in tip-top condition right there will always be demand for space man. so what I'm trying to say is after 10 years down the road like now every month the rental is like 1004 or 1005 I forgot already it's around there lah, right but my monthly installment is less than a thousand so every month I'm actually having surplus which can cover my maintenance and all and I still have some money to spend and you are right with the fluctuating interest rates suddenly like when interest rates are very low right now my property is in demand because back then the installment was let's say thousand two okay then I ran out thousand four I got two hundred extra just nice to pay maintenance but now with the interest rate I'm paying only eight hundred a month but if you were to think about it now I can to sell at a higher price and with the return of 1004 right which can cover more than the installment amount of a new buyer that means i also made money with the decrease of interest rate so every time interest rate decrease right the property value actually goes up just because it's easier to break even now then the next question would be the wealth preservation not flipping that's very clear and i agree of course that because i say one more <laughs> Then the other one is to compare with, let's say, 1 million in stocks and I invest that for the next 35 years versus me buying a 1 million ringgit property today. So which one would make sense? Because ultimately when I cash out, there's not much money and not much profit. So why go through all the hassle, right? First of all, reality check. If you can walk around with 1 million ringgit, by all means, I don't know how you get the money. If it's from share market, which is totally possible. And share market is your thing. You are very accustomed to reading financial statements. You are into business news all the time. You attend business AGMs. By all means, man, I have no rejection. Plus, there's no capital tax on the profits you make from shares. So that's the greatest benefit. Lah. But if I don't have a $1 million capital, right, I can still invest in a $1 million worth of real estate where I need around 180000 which is 18% of the amount. If I'm buying sub-sales or I just cough in like 3% for a new property directly from the developer so I can own up a property that is around $1 million already. But I think what's missing in this equation is you own the property so if you buy and you stay yourself then your argument is somewhat valid that's why we all say that if you buy a property for own stay right it's not an asset it's actually a liability because you need to bear all the repair costs you need to bear the maintenance the repair the land tax the assessment tax and etc and if i buy 1 million every month i still pay installment ma, plus interest some more so even after 30 years if the property really double which is 2 million the amount of loan i paid up plus interest is also equivalent to 2 million ma. so do i actually earn anything this is when you need to talk about time value of money like when you pay for a house the money installment actually decreases across time because housing loans are actually calculated daily on the amount you owe them so the installment amount is going to be less and less and less and let's say three thousand in year one you pay right might worth a lot but three thousand in year 20 it might not worth as much already but but you're actually using other people's money to acquire ownership of a real estate but in this sense it's very convenient to just say oh one million let's say i average out eight percent in profit for the counters that i invest last then i reinvest the eight percent again in the same portfolio so my returns will be amazing if that's true you are that good then again stock market makes more sense for you that's why i do have friends who are living off trading stocks only but 
unfortunately, not many people are that disciplined. Not many people are that professional when it comes to stock trading. So if you were to apply the exact same mindset of choosing the right portfolio and in property terms, I'm choosing the right location, that perfect shop office or that perfect home. Back then, Satya Alam home is 400,000. Now it's a million, 1.2 million. But if you were to buy Maybank stock 10 years ago, how much would it worth now? Is it the same? And if you calculate cash on cash return, I put in 10%. And if I were to earn 1.2 million, I cash out the difference is on my capital. But if you still choose to include the monthly installments, then the return is of course not as handsome, but eventually you need a place to stay. If you're staying with your parents, there's zero cost in lodging, then again, the market will be more attractive. Ultimately, all of us need to pay either for rent or you stay in a house that you own. So it's either you pay rental or you pay installment. So it's already a cost that you need to cost in. Like if you purely make money from stock trading, right every month you still need to cough up money from that portfolio in order to pay out your rent so is that also calculated in your ideal situation then so all these are for debates but for me why i still choose to go with real estate is because i enjoy that ease of mind once i sign the spa and the tenancy agreement is signed I can just let it be until the tenants wants to leave. Like, yes, there might be fixing here and there. I engage a property management company where they even collect rental for me, fix the plumbing for me, leaking situation, they all settle for me with a cost. But to me, I cherish my time more. I can do more productive things like this compared to serving all those. But in stock trading, I don't have that. Anytime there's an announcement, for example, the Ukraine situation right now, everybody, they're not moved. And when I make money from stocks, I got no mood to work. And if I lose money in stocks, even worse, I laggy no mood to work. But coming back to the investment part, right? If I'm renting out as long as every year, there's a tenant that stays inside. The tenant is also building up equity for me. For example, the same apartment that I bought, right? I paid around 40,000 upfront because the property was around 300,000 back then. And now 10 years later, let's say it's around 400,000. And I can actually sell higher because the rental is 1,005. So 1,005 allows you to get up a loan up to 500,000. So your 35 years loan is around 1,005. So let's not be too ambitious. We take a middle ground, let's say 450,000. So 450,000 minus 300,000, how much I make? in capital is 150,000. But if you were to really close the deal, right, we need to think about the amount of loan I still owe the bank. And within these 10 years, the rental average out is around 1,002 a month, which is 14,400 a year. Let's average out 15,000 times 10 is 150,000. So there's 150,000 of equity being built up across 10 years, right? It means this 150,000 was paid by my tenant. So let's say the amount of loan I took was 270,000 and then you plus interest whatsoever and it's now covered by 150,000 in. So let's say now the amount of loan I owe the bank is left 220,000 and I sell at 450,000. I get back 230,000 and my upfront capital plus makeover, let's say 50,000, 10 years ago, is 180,000 net. So if you want to calculate 180,000 from 50,000, then you calculate the ROI. Lo. And this is a situation when I'm 22, I only have 30,000 in the bank. And when you have only 30,000, do you buy a real estate or do you buy a stock? It's very ideal and it's very fun to have theories like, what if I have a million? What should I do then, right? But in actual reality, that's very rare. But don't get me wrong, this is not me like anti-stock markets 
pro real estate all the way. No, actually it depends on which asset class works best for you. Like if you're in the NFT space and you are extremely skillful in getting yourself whitelisted, you get access to all projects before they launch. So you, so you actually participated in the minting process or you're really good with DeFi in crypto space right now and the APY can be 40-50% packed to a stable coin of USDT. That's a better conversation in comparison to stock because ultimately you need capital to invest in this in order to participate but for property what I only need is credibility and that is most often the time the problem of young people yes I say consider myself young lah. <laughs> but that being said like I shared in my previous videos the strategy that I'm adopting right now is to use whatever capital I have I'm putting a lot of cash in crypto right now because cash actually devalues in my bank account and that worries me so I'm doing my best to figure out how to preserve their value at the same time I'm investing in property using my credibility I don't really need to cough out a lot of money in order to buy properties because I have this 15 years of working experience in corporate to back up my profile so in that sense credibility makes a lot of sense then for emergency fund I'm actually looking in luxury watches as that form of FD because in comparison to FD then I think luxury watches makes more sense because you think about it FD gives you like what 1.8 1.9% per annum if you save more than a million they give you a better rate of 2% then every time you want to take out money then they will ask you a lot of questions hey you wait a little bit more and the time matures then you can only take out and when you want to take out it takes time as well but if you have experienced luxury watches trading before it's pretty instant you can just walk into any watch dealers right yes there will be a market price and it's up to negotiation again but the value is not that far off but please do take note that this is not professional financial advice this is just my take on the current situation and because of the technology advancement now stock traders are also being attracted to the crypto space because it's just another world where banks are not involved so if you enjoy free market you enjoy decentralized market that is definitely the place to venture but in this sense nothing can really replace real estate as that real hedge against inflation yet because ultimately everybody will need a home and as long as the population of a country is, is increasing there will always be demand for space so that's my take on the question if you were to have one million and I just invest in stock market and use the earnings to plow back every year if you have that magic formula if you are really that good because I personally know a lot of people that lose money from share markets I just think that it's less likely to lose money in real estate for 30 years down the road and if it's for investment I get to build 30 years of equities along with my tenants if the rental is 2000 so every year I'm building 24,000 in equity 24,000 24,000 24,000 so in conclusion every asset class can make money man. It only depends how well you are in that particular asset game. It only depends on how well you know the game. So if you don't really know what to do with your money, then diversification then becomes a very important conversation. It's not encouraged to overgear on one particular asset class. But there's also a saying where diversification is only for those who don't know what to do. That's why you buy everything. So you're investing to not lose instead of investing to win. Again, that's a separate mindset altogether. That explains as well why a lot of financial planners when they look into my portfolio they're just like oh my gosh Sean uh, because I'm like major 90% in real estate like 
all my assets are in real estate and I'm perfectly fine with it. I raise fund, raise fund, invest, invest. Once I have enough, I buy another one. Then I raise fund again via stocks, via bonds, via set, via crypto. When I have enough, then I put in again. And just because I know how and I'm very, very comfortable with its slow pace, so I get to live my life without worrying so much unless there's a war, unless there's natural disaster, my real estate will always be there. Hence, it's important to match your risk appetite, to match your craving with the right asset class. So if you want fast money, if you can afford the time to be constantly connected, doing your research on news and updates all the time, then crypto and share market might work for you, but I cannot. I'd rather just wait for a month for the next renter to come in. <laughs> and with that, I hope that clarifies, Terry. And for those who still have any real estate related questions, do email me at T-A-N-I-H-E-R-N-G, T-A-N-I-H-E-R-N-G at gmail.com or you can just DM me on Instagram, I-H-E-R-N-G. And with that, thank you very much and see you on the next one. Ciao.